How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Extra Pass Pod. I am Josh Pederuti, here with Jack Dimitros, and at long last, we have returned with our Eastern Conference Finals predictions. We're going to start with a tier ranking, and from the bottom up, let's begin with our dumpster tier. Jack, who are going to be <laughs> the worst teams in the Eastern Conference this year? First off, it feels great to be back on the pod. Really missed it. It's been uh, a bold hectic for Josh and I with, you know, moving back to school and uh, completely empty in the NBA world. Um, here, here. So, actually, other than, you know, some big news last night with the Minnesota Rules, but I'm sure we'll talk about them in the next episode. So, to get right into it, my garbage tier includes the Magic and the Pistons. Now, um, especially the Magic, uh, they're going to be bad next year. They're going to be very bad next year. <laughs> uh, I still, they just have no creation on the roster that really excites me again i i like jalen suggs but he's not again he's more of a shooting combo guard Mm -hmm. uh versus you know a really great player i love getting them getting both suggs and franz wagner um but uh, in the draft i really like that but those are guys who i think they just fit better on better teams and uh the magic do not have that in fact they have a lot of guys like that they have a lot of guys who i think are going to be excellent role players in the future chuma i really like um obviously jonathan isaac is legitimately one of the best defensive players in the league hopefully he can get back to his uh 2019 2020 form you know after suffering the acl tear i really hope he gets better Mm. again guys like cole anthony Mark Elfolds, RJ Hampton, these are guys who have shown, you know, some creation flashes, but just the shooting scares me. Uh, really, outside of Terrence Ross, I don't know who's making threes on this team. Like, yeah, there's just seriously, nobody who that's... can shoot. Spacing is going to be absolutely atrocious. But mm-hmm. again, there are players I like, like Wendell Carter, uh, really good player. I hope Mo, Mo Bamba gets a bigger role this year. I've always been high on him. Uh, so... Yeah, I just this team should be pretty good on defense, but uh, if this isn't the worst offense in the NBA, I'll be shocked. Agreed. They just have by far the worst top end talent in the league, and uh, I like a lot of the upside with the young guys. Obviously, Suggs, Anthony, love Jonathan Isaac. Like you said, incredibly excited to see him on the court. But ultimately, I think this might be the weakest roster in the entire NBA when you just consider the fact that so many of these guys lack experience. I mean. Jonathan Isaac, I think, is their best player. And he has, what, like a season and a half under his belt? <laughs> so that just mm-hmm. that, that gives you a little bit of insight into uh, where they stand experience-wise. But um, they kind of have an unclear future, too. But um, All right, so I'll, I'll throw in a, tier, a team into my dumpster section. Detroit, I know they had a great offseason considering the drafts. And um, I really do like the roster in general and the promise they have going forward. But for this upcoming season... I just don't see it coming together. Um, I guess the one thing that could take Detroit out of the dumpster tier and put them in the play-in is if um, they have like really impressive rookie year campaigns from all of their guys. But honestly, I just I don't really see that happening. I think that they're going to be so inexperienced. It's just going to be so difficult for them to put it all together. Cade will be great, but great for a rookie is probably going to mean like 15 points per game on mediocre efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um they could be a pretty interesting defensive team, uh, but in general, this team is just so inexperienced. I think they are going to be better than the Magic, but both these teams can comfortably settle into the the dumpster tier. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the real way this team gets out of the dumpster tier is through the improvement of Killian Hayes. I think if he takes a huge leap, uh, they you know have the ability to get to that uh, play-in tier, or in my case, the the Cavs and Raptors tier. Yeah. Sorry for spoiling <laughs> it, but um, I agree with you. Uh, I don't really uh, agree about the the defense. I like Isaiah Stewart, but he's still a six eight second year rookie. Uh, he, he's not going to be an elite defensive player, and you know, still so young. Yeah. I don't think this team will be. You know, I think they'll be surprising by the end of the year. Is what yeah. I'll say. Like, I, agree. I, I like the construction of this roster. I like what the front office has done, but I'm with you. Just not enough experience, and. It's just going to take some more time before this team explodes. And again, a lot of it depends on guys who we don't know what they have just yet. But again, I'm super excited to watch Cade and see what he does on the next level. Again, I think he's going to be great. So super excited to see that. Yeah, again, like we kind of touched on this, but ultimately everything relies on Cade. They need Cade to become a top-end talent in the NBA for them to have any chance because although I like a lot of the players on their team, I love Jeremy Grant. I like Killian Hayes' upside. I love Isaiah Stewart, and I love Sadiq Bey. None of those guys really scream star potential. Like, Jeremy Grant will always be a fringe all-star, even with his highest production. Killian Hayes, I see him kind of contributing as, like, a quality starter, but never really pushing beyond that. Cade is the only one that I think has, like, true superstar upside, in my opinion. I just don't think any of these other guys have the profile or the skill set to really advance their game that much. Again, like, I love Sadiq Bey, but I'm just not sure what his ceiling is, aside from being a great, great role player. So, I mean, obviously you need top-end talent to win in the NBA, and Cade might be the only player that really screams, like, top-end potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I absolutely agree. All right, so this is where our paths will diverge a little bit, because I know that you have the Raptors, or you think of them a little higher than I do, but mm-hmm. I'm throwing the Toronto Raptors in my dumpster tier. Um I'm sorry, this is just a no-brainer for me, I think. A team that's headlined by Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam. Like, that's that's arguably some of the worst top-end talent in the league as well. I love Fred Van Fleet, but if you ask him to be the primary creator on a team, um, I think he's really going to struggle, especially without Kyle Lowry now. A lot of people were underselling the production he had last year and the consistency of his play when he was on the court. Aside from that, like, again, Chris Boucher, great player. OG Ananobi, great player. But similarly to the Pistons, they're just, you know, high-ceiling role players. Um, I don't think that they have any really elite creation on this roster. Replacing Kyle Lowry with Drogic is, like, a serious step back. And yeah, and I don't think, I don't think Goran Drogic will play um, many games for this team. He's gone by the deadline 100%. Yeah, he's clearly expressed that, but... I can't blame him because this is a team that has no playoff hope for me. Um, I think that teams that were worse than them last year, like the Cavs, will be significantly better than them this year. But, I mean, obviously they have Nick Nurse. That's always going to be their calling card. They can be a great defensive team with Siakam, Boucher, OG Ananobi. I mean, Presha Chua, that's a great add. But in general, this team just has no creation talent and no top-end talent. Yeah, I do agree about the the no the top end talent on the offense side of the ball. They are not going to be good on offense. That is just a fact. They have some they have some very good players on the end. Again, Gary Trent Jr. is really a, a, 
a high-level shooter. Agreed. And he can put the ball on the ba- on the floor a little bit. Again, Pascal is still a great transition player. While I would never, you know, Fred Van Vliet is not, it's terrible that he's like their field point guard. He's yeah. not terrible. He can pass and he can shoot the ball well. And they still have, uh, again, Chris Boucher as a center who can really stretch the floor. They have a lot and they still have depth, right? There's no doubt about that. Again, Ken Birch is a really good player. I'm excited to see what Scotty Barnes can do. And OG Ananobi is a guy who potentially could have an explosive breakout year where he kind of, you know, actually takes more steps as a self-creator potentially and you know goes from just being one of the best defensive players in the league and a a a real spot up mostly spot up shooting guy to being a guy who can you know take some off the dribbles beat you know smaller defenders in the post and continue to shoot the ball at a at an acceptable clip um so you know i'm higher than i'm I'm higher on them than you. I, I think OG has a chance to be in the most improved player. Um, yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I really like Scotty Barnes. I think he'll be impactful from day one. And, uh, I mean, the defense, it's just going to be really, really good. Like, it should it's be. It's yeah. too good to make them in the dumpster tier to me. Like, they have a chance to be a top 10 defense. I mean, they probably will be, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to be one of the worst teams in the league with a defense that good and with a roster this experienced. I think you're just going to have a level of a floor that takes you out of that, that worst of the worst. And I don't think it can get, even with the loss of Kyle Lowry, I don't think it can get much worse than this year with you know them having to you know, play in Tampa Bay. I think that's their, true. That's their a, that's circumstances a good point. has made people lower on the Raptors than they should be. And I yeah. think they're... While because they lost Kyle Lowry, people think they're going to be even worse. I think they'll they would have bounced back substantially, um, but I, so I think they'll stick about right where they were last season. Yeah, I definitely hear you, and I think your points about experience and about the defense are definitely valid. But when it comes down to it, as we'll go on, um, I think that teams like the Pacers, the Cavs, and the Wizards are just going to be better than them, and it's not necessarily an issue of like their weaknesses so much as it is other teams improvements and other teams strengths i think a lot of teams made noise in the offseason but i mean really the raptors didn't have any significant move aside from barnes who i do think will be good but um so you also have the Cavs and the raptors kind of middling between the dumpster and the play-in tier what are your thoughts yes, on yes i, on the I Cavs? will say i do uh i'm excited with the Cavs actually uh again i think they're not quite in the play-in tier because of the age of their team and I've spoke quite a bit on how much I love Evan Mobley. Uh, but again, he's a center. Uh, he's a rookie center. They just... Rookie centers, or 20-year-old centers who are good, it just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, so I don't expect him to be, again, very good. Uh, but and, and again, with his fit next to Jared Allen, who I really do like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't love that. But then, again, that's for him. He's not going to be the one contributing to their wins. The player contributing to their wins is going to be Darius Garland. Yep. Uh, he took a big step last year, and he is just, I, again, he is a potential, um, another guy who I think has a chance to win most improved player this year. He's my pick, actually. He's, Spoiler yeah, alert I for think, for our next pod, but. Um, he's really, really good. Yeah. His quickness, his playmaking, 
just both high level. Um, and I think he can be, if he gets even more aggressive with his shot. You know, coming out of college, he was originally sold as a, as a you know, three-point shooting threat, mainly, right? Yeah. Whereas now he's been mostly a playmaker. Working on um, his mid-range game, too. Exactly. His, he has a great floater game as well. Uh, you know, it, it says you know, a lot, too, that the Cleveland front office values him higher than Colin Sexton, who's all, almost putting up, like, all-star production offensively. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you watch what Darius Garland is able to do. I mean, he's he's better than Colin Sexton right now. I, I don't think that should be much of a hot take, and it's not like he's uh, – I mean, he's again, he's a 6-1 guard, right? He's never going to be – very good on on defense it's just not gonna happen but he's not you know absolutely atrocious (laughs) yeah no uh um again he's in this according to d lebron which is probably my favorite you know one and all statistic uh he's the 17th percentile which again it's not good but for a 6-1 guard that's as much as you can ask for and if you can really get you know his uh, game together, and I think he has a, a great chance to explode. And one of the things that really sold me on him is that Draymond Green said he's one of the toughest guys for him to guard. Like he can't, he says he can't stay in front of Darius Garland because of his quickness. Like if Draymond yep. can't stay in front of you, you're legit. <laughs> yeah, like that's simple as that. Combine um, that with efficient three-level scoring. I mean, his mid-range game has improved so much. I I totally hear you. Um, but then again, like we're, I feel like people were really underselling Colin Sexton at the deadline and at the start of the offseason because yeah, I absolutely agree. People thought he was going to get traded for for a fucking <laughs> for like a Cheetos, bag of chips Cheetos and Doritos. Bro. I know, I know. I mean, this man averaged twenty five points per game on also really good efficiency and mm-hmm. all of his. I mean, I forget the stat, but there was like this X factor uh, percentile stat. It basically just said a lot of his shots are self created. He's in one of the most elite perimeter self-creators in the league it sounds weird to say that but he was flirting with all-star contention at the middle of last season um produ- the production's always been there i think that like any team in the league would take a spark plug like this someone who can just get going and give you buckets every night um again the, the issues that cleveland runs into when they balance these two really premier young talents is that they are both 6-1 guards you know so it's very difficult to construct winning rosters mm-hmm. With them both on the floor, even though they both have such interesting skill sets. So exactly, Cleveland for me, the, the reason I'm higher on them this year, um, and the reason I'm higher than them on than like the Magic, I guess, and maybe even the Pacers. I have them in the same tier, but Cleveland has the elite perimeter creation. To some degree, they have the top end talent. If Darius Garland can put himself up another level, um, I think Colin Sexton is already there. I think he flirts with All Star contention again next year. If those two players are providing you the bulk of your offensive load, combined with some added shooting from guys like Laurie Markkinen, improvements from Isaac Okoro, and then this is really what I think is really going to anchor the team, but the defense of Jarrett Allen and of Evan Mobley is going to be their linchpin because they're going to struggle in the backcourt. And, it, I mean, like, Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley will both have to be erase mistakers, as you like to say, um, for this team at the rim. And I do think that they can run lineups with Evan Mobley at the four and Jared Allen at the five. If you have that type of size in your front court and mobility, that can kind of erase some of the issues you'll run into by running two 6-1 point guards. And then you throw in Isaac Okoro at the three, 
they could have a lot of size in the front court. Honestly, it's a pretty loaded roster. Like we haven't even mentioned Kevin Love. I don't know. I don't know what he'll be up to. Um, Laurie Markkinen, I'm a little iffy on, but there's offensive production there and some serious size. They have Ricky, Ricky Rubio to give them some backcourt depth. Mm-hmm. I think this team is just in a much better place roster wise. And um, if Evan Mobley can be a contributor early on in the season, they're going to be able to do a lot of fun things on defense. You know, I think you make a lot of really, really good points. I'm not going to lie. I think, um, I definitely think they have upside to be a play-in team and maybe even as good of an eight seed. But again, I, I just, I, I'm very interested to see how much Evan Mobley gets to play at the five. And I'm really wondering whether he starts. Will they start him? Will they start Markinen? Yeah. Um, they better start Mobley. I'm sorry. I'm, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope they do. But again, like, and Lauren Markkinen can definitely add stuff to this team. Again, he's overpaid, but it doesn't make him a bad player. Um, yeah, that's true. And I, I mean, just having Ricky Rubio lead your bench, like that's really, really good. I wasn't even thinking about him. I forgot he was, honestly I forgot they made that trade. I know, right? Um, but yeah, bench like, units with like him, Lauren Markkinen, Kevin Love, Taco Fall. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> Go. Honestly, I, I think Rubio is one of the most underrated players in the league. So I might. You know, he, I might have to have to move them up after you know taking another look at this roster because yeah, they got they got stuff like and you you hit it right on the head when you said you know hopefully having you know Mobley and Jared Allen can combat you know the fact you have two six one guards who are going to be playing heavy minutes right I still think that because of Mobley's youth they won't be a great defensive team right yeah. and having you know, Mobley and Jared Allen on the floor at the same time. It's just offensively, it's a little iffy to me. Uh, just not enough spacing. Again, I think Mobley will be a shooter in the future, but he isn't one now. Um, yeah, I, I hear you. So, I've I thought about that too. I mean, he's kind of like a pick-and-pop guy, but he's yet to expand his volume to the three-point arc. And without that, I mean, obviously Jared Allen can't shoot outside of three feet. So um, it might be a little bit a little bit clunky at times, but one thing that gives me reassurance is the fact that they have two really elite perimeter scorers in Garland and Sexton on the court and a front court body in Markinen who can stretch the floor. I think if they stagger the minutes of Mobley and Allen to some degree and mix in Kevin Love and Laurie Markinen to stretch three fours, um, that could be a really interesting tandem because obviously Love can shoot, Markinen can really shoot. If you pair them with one of Allen or Mobley at a time, you have some degree of defensive versatility and spacing at the four. And then you have to hope Isaac Okoro can be like a really, really good defensive player at the three. But I see yeah, the vision. Again, I, the, it's, it, it's coming. Yeah. That's what I'll say. It's coming. It will. There, this is a foundation that will be successful in the future. I think, I think Colin Sexton will be treated. I agree. In the future, honestly, like I, I just, I think he's a good player. I think he's underrated. Um, like as you said, his scoring is legitimately great. It's, but it really is, but it's 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 kind of like a, redundancy. Exactly, and he's not a, a he can't be the guy on your team. Whereas, like because of uh, Darius Garland's passing ability, I think he can be more of the guy. So, uh, trading Sexton to hopefully get a wing, or even if it's a you know downgrade as far as talent, I think that can really take this team to the next level um so i'm excited for the future of this team uh but right now i still don't think they're they're all that okay so let's to to recap 
We have the Magic and Detroit soundly in the dumpster tier. I have Toronto in my dumpster tier, but you have them a little bit above. And then mm-hmm. drifting into the play-in contention, I have the Cavs in the play-in tier. Um, and you're, you you kind of have them middling in between that and dumpster. Yes, I do. I think my, my play-in tier is, is a lot bigger than yours. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get into it. Who's your first like not, clear cut? Not bigger. So, to me, at the at the bottom, of my play in tier, which I'm a little hesitant that I have them this low, are the Wizards. Um, okay. I really like the Wizards. I think they have they have great depth. That's the first thing. You know, you look at that roster; they have so many good players on that team. Yeah. Um, which I think in the NBA in the regular season, that is just so valuable to have. With all the injuries you are going to face, uh, and just the competition that that brings out during practices, guys don't know they need to fight to get playing time. You're gonna need to fight to get playing time on this roster. You know that inspires guys to get better, um, and uh, you know they have Bradley Beal, they have Spencer Dinwiddie, who I think, you know, he got a little bit underrated because of how you know he tore his ACL, right? But yeah. His comeback has been, you know, relatively quick for ACL tears because it was a partial. And, um, you know, he was really, really good that last year in Brooklyn. Like, uh, you know, 20 points a game. He's legitimately one of the best playmakers in the NBA. Yeah. Again, the defense isn't great, and the spot-up shooting isn't, you know, where you'd like it to be. But it's also not garbage. He shot 31% on threes, but I believe it was like, you know— 22% 22% on off the dribble and like, you know, 35 or something like that off the catch, right? That's yeah. an acceptable number. People are not just going to sag off of him like crazy. Uh, so, yeah, he's a really good player. And then the forward depth is incredible. It really is. And the front court depth, I would say. I mean... I think a guy like Daniel Gafford might be the best center on the roster, which means you can bring someone like Thomas Bryant I, off the bench. Yeah, I meant I meant the the front court depth. You're right. Oh yeah, but I mean honestly, the the wing depth too. I mean you've got yeah. guys like KCP, Davis Bertans, Danny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, Trez. Um, I guess that he would slide more into the front court, but Corey Kispert, Kyle Kuzma. That's like six. Yeah, again, I think I think Kuz, Rui. Um, Bertans, they're all they're forwards to me. You okay, know what yeah. I mean so. Uh, but yeah, like that's the position I was talking about with depth. Like um, having all those guys, and I think all those guys do a little bit different things as well. Yeah. So I think they can really complement each other well. Um, again, I they talked about wanting to play KCP at the three. Uh, I don't know. I forget who the head coach of the Wizards is, but please don't do that. <laughs> um, there, there's no we need. Will suffer. Uh, I'm still worried about this team on defense. Uh, they are going to get cooked. Yeah, no, because that's what that's that's true. I mean, they have a lot of good players on the team. None of them have defense as a strong suit, outside of like Daniel Gafford. Uh, yeah, I can't even say Rui's like his calling card is his defense. It's not, yeah, you I know think, what I mean. Uh, maybe maybe Aaron best, Holiday. <laughs> I'd say the three best defenders on this team are Daniel Gafford, who is on a minimum contract. Yep. Um. 
maybe God, his defense is gonna suck. Yeah, okay, that's fair. KCP uh, for sure. I think. And Kyle Kuzma, like it's no, not, it's it's gonna be a tough defensive team. Yeah, but. it's not very good. Like Denny's gonna have to step up on defense. Uh, yeah. Which again, like he's okay at, but he's not an on-ball defensive guy. Like Spencer Dinwiddie, he's okay at defense, but again, not his strong suit. And even Daniel Gafford, like he's not a very he's not like a great defensive player like he's decent right so yeah. it's gonna get ugly for this team on the on defense but this will be a fun ass team to watch 100 percent uh Agreed. they're gonna be running up the floor um they're gonna score a lot of points ton- oh they're gonna put up numbers numbers yeah. stats will be collected if you are a member of the washington wizards that and then i think if the plane rolls around they'll face a team that can either switch or um just play defense on the perimeter and they'll be done but that's one reason I have them. Well, I think their depth and their top-end talent with Bradley Beal. We didn't even mention his name in yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't even say Bradley Beal. <laughs> Bradley Beal is an all-NBA caliber talent. Um, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the game right now. I think he will get traded and should get traded, hopefully to the Celtics, for a combination of Al Horford and picks. But um, obviously the top-end talent is there to some degree. Um, I think out of, the, out of teams like – when I consider like the Knicks – the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Pacers. Bradley Beal would be the best player on any of those teams, in my opinion. You can make a case for Levine in Chicago, but I think in general, he's a pretty elite offensive star to build your team around. It's just, you're right, like the defense, atrocious. Um, Mm -hmm. And the secondary creation is going to be really bad, too. I know that they're going to have a lot of like fun guys that can kind of role play, but outside of Dinwiddie, who can't really create beyond the arc, they're not really going to have too much like individual offense coming from the rest of their roster. I, I mean, I think Rui can really do that. I think Kuz can do a little bit of that, and I just we'll see some passing from Denny. I can't rely but, on Kuz, though. You know what I mean? I, I'm sorry. I can't. Re- I can't rely I, on him to be anything but like the sixth the best offensive player. I've seen like that's just not what he what he does though. Like yeah, he, he's better with you know with the flow and cutting off the ball and getting more touches. The more touches he gets, the more comfortable he is. He's just, that's the type of player he is. He's yeah. a rhythm-based player. Um, I think he can put up 15 points for you consistently. Uh, so, again, that's not crazy, but that'll add some secondary creation, especially Rui. Uh, he showed in the Olympics that he can legit score. Like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I can so get behind that. I'm, I'm interested in that. But, again, I, I agree, like, this... Looking at this roster, this might be the worst defense in the NBA. Yeah, it honestly might be. But I still think they are going to be slightly ahead of um, my uh, first play-in team, or I guess the, the lowest-ranked play-in team I have, and that's Indiana. Um, Indiana is a very, very interesting team. I feel like they had like a window of contention for a while and could never fully grasp it, and now they're just like stuck in this weird tier of, like, they don't have a ton of like young assets or draft capital. They don't have a ton of elite talent. But at the same time, they're just very solid. And I think that will be mm-hmm. true again. Um, obviously, they have an all-star in DeMontis Sabonis. I think they have a, another candidate for most improved player, Karis LeVert, if he can get a full season under his belt. Um, Cassius Stanley should be really exciting. TJ Warren is hopefully back from that stretch fracture. We have not seen him in a while. Um and then, you know, addition, obviously Malcolm Brogdon, too, another, like, near all-star. Um, Justin Holiday, 
Chris Duarte. They had a pretty solid offseason, all things considered. And if they can get some injury luck, I think this is a team that could really hit its stride. I think they are right there with the Wizards in terms of talent. Um, this is a team that actually could be really good on defense and at the same time have some elite creation with Sabonis and Brogdon, some elite depth with their young players, and hopefully a healthy TJ Warren and the like. Um, and in general, I think this is just a really well-rounded basketball team. They don't yeah, have... To... No, go ahead. Okay, yeah, to me, they're... This team is interesting, but probably mid. Like that's how I feel about uh, the Wizards, though. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, this is this is the play-in tier. Yeah. Right. So, again, I think I still can't believe they haven't decided between Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis after all these years. Like, <laughs> I just don't love the fit there. It's the Sabonis experiment is over. Uh, they sh- honestly, I think they should trade one of them. I, probably Sabonis. Um, Hell I no. Think he's- I don't know. What? Why I would think, you trade your best player when you have an, an overpaid center Sabonis on the roster? Is generally overrated. Miles um, Turner is horrendously overrated. I don't know. Like, he's so bad. He's actually yeah, he's he's bad on offense. When I you factor in his bad. contract his, too, he's actually atrocious. His his three point shooting is massively overrated, and he's not very good on offense. But he's amazing on defense, and I just think Demontis Bonus is is overrated on offense. I think his playmaking is overrated. Um, he doesn't really put much pressure on the defense. A lot of the passes he makes are, you know, I think of a, as a function of the offensive system. Um, and he's not, you know, an ex- exceptionally, uh, you know, efficient scorer and doesn't add the spacing you need uh, for your squad. But so, and again, the defense is just, it's not there, especially when he plays power forward. Like he can just get exposed like that. Yeah. I think he needs to be on a team where he can play the center position and they have a four who, you know, has some rim protection, right? So, but again, I like Malcolm Brogdon. I like a lot of the role players on this team. They have, you know, a possible way to swing up. I think, again, they said Karis LeVert is a guy who might, and TJ Warren are two big question marks because of, you know, injury and, uh, in Karis LeVert's case, uh, cancer, right? But he yeah. should be back to nearly full strength so hopefully to see what this team does and this is definitely a team that i think will make a trade at some point in the year i think a guy like jeremy lamb he just doesn't really have a place on this roster to me yeah um yeah i I agree with that wholeheartedly so again interesting but very very mid to me I, i don't see a way they are better than they were last year um, well, I mean, I do, just by injuries. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, like Karis Lever and TJ Warren think, being contributors. I think other teams in the East have improved. I mean, standing wise, you know, like yeah, I think okay. other teams in the East have just made bigger improvements in them. Okay, so with that in mind, is there any other team you have in your plans here? Currently, mine looks like the Wizards, the Pacers, and the Cavs. I have two more in my plans here. Okay, go ahead. I have the Hornets, um, who again like. Maybe I should move these top two teams into mid-tier playoff teams, but I simply don't have that belief in them. Uh, hmm. The Hornets, uh, again, an exceptionally fun team to watch. I can't wait to see what LaMelo does uh, in his second season in the NBA with a you know his first like real non-COVID season. Obviously, you know him. I think I really like their draft. The combination of him, Kai Jones, and Miles Bridges, it's this place is the new Lob City. Book night. Um, Yep, Book Knight. Uh, I love the JT Thor pick as well. Um, but 
you know, this is going to be an explosive team with, you know, some star power as well. You know, I think Gordon Hayward is still a damn good basketball player. Yep. And he really had one of his best seasons since Utah last year. But it flew under the radar because he was playing in freaking Charlotte. Well, right? and because he got he played like 20 games again and then inj- yeah, <laughs> got injured. That's fair. The, the classic Gordon Hayward experience. Right, but with just, I mean, they were with the eight seed last year. Oh, yeah. Like just simply LaMelo taking another step up. And the internal development, I think this team could really, you know, not make a leap, but I think this is a, another high-level play-in team. Um, and obviously, it really all depends on what level LaMelo gets to in his second season. Does he get slightly better, or does he get immensely better and turn into a guy who, excuse me, averages like 24 and 10. Now, I don't think he's getting to 24 and 10. I don't think you know, not next year. scoring is uh, maybe ever going to be uh, in his future. Yeah. But will he average 10 assists next year? I think he probably will. Um, I'm really excited. Obviously, one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. Oh, yeah, and they got Kelly Oubre, too. Yeah, okay. Damn, this team's going to... I got to go in on their depth for a little bit. Because this was a team that was really good last year with very spotty playing time. I mean, there was a point in time where... Ah, geez, Malik Monk was, like, the best player on offense for, like, a month and a half at the end of the season when LaMelo was out. I mean, this team really had shown flashes from pretty much every sector. Jaden McDaniels, a power forward, player I love. Kelly Oubre picked up basically for nothing. Mason Plumley in the front court rotation. Terry Rozier, almost being an all-star last year, went so under the radar. P.J. Washington, more depth in the front court. Gordon Hayward, a legitimate all-star, if he can stay healthy. That's a big if for them. And then, obviously, Miles Bridges. I'm really excited to see James Booknight in the backcourt with LaMelo. I just think this team has so much talent. I mean, they shipped away a lot of talent in the offseason, and they still have so many pieces they could use in trades. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of promising young guys that I think are going to struggle to find playing time. I mean, that front court, I mean, it's the backcourt rather, it's already so crowded, right? With all these new players coming in. Um, I think they're just going to have a really strong rotation. A lot of guys that can shoot the ball. The defense is going to be iffy, for sure. I think that's one thing that people are kind of forgetting about. You know, defense matters. And the Hornets, oh, yeah. they have no stopper, they have no true rim protector. Who is their center? Mason Plumley, um, Vernon Carey Jr. <laughs> yeah, like, jeez, oh, Nick Richards. Like, it's it's gonna be tough, especially at the rim. This is a problem I see with the Chicago Bulls too, who we'll get into in a little mm-hmm. bit. But on offense, they are gonna be outstanding. I think they have a legitimate case to be a top ten to twelve offensive team in the league. Um, if Gordon Hayward can stay healthy, that will mean a lot to this team. He when he was on the floor last year, they were a legitimately good team like a team that could make a playoff series and win a game or two. But then, obviously, he went down again, like he always does. Until they can solidify the front court defensively, it's going to be tough for them to really reach into, like, true playoff standing. But I have them rated a little higher than you. I have them in the mid-round exits tier, simply because I think they're going to be so talented on offense and so deep in their rotation that it's going to be hard for them to not score points. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Again, I think my... Uh, I just don't have them in, in the mid, mid-round exits because I don't think, like, I just do not see a way they win a playoff series. You know, it's yeah. as simple as that. Like, um, 
with their inexperience and lack of defense and where I think they'll be, uh, end up in, you know, in the uh, as far as standings go. I just don't see a way where they can be uh, one of first-round series, which is why they're in the play-in for me. Um, okay. But I, I understand the, the upside is absolutely there, and I love the future. Okay, so who's your other play-in team? Um, my other play-in tier is the New York Knickerbockers. Now... Ah, I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> I, I'm i just not high on the Knicks. You know, I think their defense will take a slight step back, again, uh, as far as, you know, field goal percentage against and, you know, open three-point three percentage against. They were extremely lucky last season, right? Now, this is not to say their defense is going to be bad by any means. They're still a Tom Thibodeau coach team with, strong defensive talent on the roster, right? They're going to be probably a top 10 defense again. Yeah. And with the addition of Kemba Walker, I certainly think their offense will be better, but will he play many games? Yeah, probably, prob- not. probably not. Uh, will Tibbs run him into the ground? And yes. Have him- yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, and again, I think Julius Randle takes a step back. Uh, I, again, I simply do not believe he is a 41% three-point shooter. I just... Yeah, that nods fair. I don't see it. Again, I think he's more like 35, 36. Even there, if he's doing that on the same volume, he's still a very good player. Yeah. Right? But is he... He just can't be the guy. Like, he can't be the guy if you want to win a playoff series. We no, saw that... I hear you. ...in the playoffs. Like, and with Kemba, too, look how he's been absolute cheeks in the last couple of playoffs. I mean, I will never get over that fucking game he had against the Raptors where oh he scored five points in 51 minutes, dude. Like, that was I know. painful oh, dude, to watch. I know, I know. I, I was there with um, you. But, like, <laughs> I think, okay, I just got to interject because I think when I made the mid-round exits tier, the tier that we're currently fringing around, you're still in the play-in section, but a mid-round exit for me, I guess, should have been rephrased as they will make a playoff series because I think there's okay. a difference between play-in teams and teams like the Knicks who I would bet a million dollars on to finish in the top eight seating wise, and that's my question yeah. to you. Like, where you remember I where think, the Knicks finished the thing, in the standings I think last year? Finish, they were the four seed. Yeah, and they got better. I think they got significantly better roster wise. They didn't lose anyone, and they added Kemba Walker for eight mil, and picked up Evan Fournier, who was a really productive player for Boston and for Orlando before uh, he was shuffled around. Like, there's no way this team regresses, even if Julius Randle does to some degree. He's not going to become a bum overnight. This dude was second team All NBA. I can see mm-hmm. him falling to like low tier All Star status, but unless he sit like faces a significant injury, or just is a seeing ghost every day like he did in the, against the Hawks, I just can't see how he could be that bad to the point where it would negate the Evan Fournier addition, the Kemba Walker addition, D Rose's return. I think this is just a little. I think they're a little bit more talented than you give them credit for. I, I definitely see that. Um, but what I'll say is. I just, I think they're clearly, to me, they're definitely better. Honestly, maybe they should have been in the mid-tier playoffs teams tier for me because I think they're definitely better than the Hornets, Indy, and Wiz, right? But I also... And Chicago. I think... We'll get into Chicago. <laughs> um, I think, I think I disagree. I think Chicago's clearly better than them. Interesting. Um, but uh, we will get into that because they're... To me, they're the they're in the mid tier playoff teams, right? And that yeah. this leaves them as the eighth team, right? Which 
that's that's playing from even seven that's that's a play-in team for me like yeah. that's just okay you're in the play-in right i think it's weird to call a team this good the play-in tier but to me with the depth of the east that's just what they are you know i think it's less of a reflection of how good the knicks are and more of a reflection of what how where i think the depth of the eastern conference like how good it is right now no, I hear you, but I think when we consider teams like the Hornets, the Bulls, the Wizards, these are teams that are going to be really good on offense, a lot of fun upside, but they just can't play defense. That's that's like not the same with the Knicks. I think the Knicks will be a much improved offensive team on top of still being a defensive stalwart, top seven defense potentially. Um, they have the rim protection. They have the versatility. They're going to run into some issues throwing Kemba Walker into the rotation, but... I think by and large, um, they're going to be able to hold their own and be an elite defensive team again. When you factor that defense in with the explosiveness of guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Kemba Walker to some degree, D. Rose, R.J. Barrett, who I think could flirt with all-star contention if he takes another leap, Evan Fournier, who is, again, another like fringe all-star right below that caliber. This team no, will have enough offense. Stop. Evan Fournier Evan Fournier is a 25-4 and four a night guy on like 47 and 38 splits that's like near all-star production just from a number standpoint i'm not saying he's talented enough but i'm saying he's like he's in that caliber of player right below all-star like very high quality role player and starter you know what i mean and i think if he's okay if he's that's that's fair he's your fourth offensive option you have depth on offense so this team is going to go through julius randall and rj barrett d rose kemba fournier and then emmanuel quickly coming off the bench like that's a lot of offensive upside. Um, the shooting could be iffy, but I think with Fournier in the rotation now, R.J. Barrett's improved shot. Um, Kemba, obviously, you can't leave him open necessarily. Um, this will be a much improved offensive team on top of already being a good defensive team. I'm not. Here's little, another thing. I think an underrated loss for them is Reggie Bullock. Agreed. Again, he, oh, yeah. he was really, really good and important for them on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. as well as being basically just as good of a shooter as Evan Fournier, right? You're kind of swapping those two guys, whereas I think... Fournier is much more on the offensive end, though, so... Yeah, exactly. It kind of cancels right? out Fournier in my mind. Is a better is a, certainly a better offensive player, but when you ha- also have R.J. Barrett on the roster, you want him to take more of that offensive responsibility. I think there's a little bit of a, you know, uh, not overlap in their skill sets, but as far as playing time and who's going to handle the ball a lot. I think, okay. you know, switching out Fournier for uh, Bullock, like, obviously, Fournier is a better player, but I think Bullock was a better fit for the for the team. So I don't think that having Evan Fournier is going to make this team all that much better, even though he is more talented. Another thing I don't think either of us have mentioned yet that should um, bode well for the Knicks is the return of Mitchell Robinson. Oh, absolutely. And he's kind of been hurt consistently, but... When he's on the floor, he's a damn good player. Yeah, agreed. Could definitely be one of the best defensive centers in the league. Um, love that guy, honestly. It's a shame he hasn't been able to see his full potential. But I think between him and Noel, they have a really solid front court. Um, and they have some quality some quality depth all around. But, all right, that rounds out, I guess, your play-in tier. And it kind of leaks into my mid-round exits tier. So, as I mentioned, um, to recap, I had the Wizards, Pacers, and Cavs in my play-in tier. In my mid-round exit tier, which is a little bit larger than it should be potentially, includes the Hornets, the Knicks, who we've both been over, and now time for the Chicago Bulls, who I, I'm guessing are in your mid-round exits tier as well. Yep. All right, so 
The Bulls. I actually have the Bulls at... It's tough. I think they're going to be like slightly better than the Hornets, but a few games behind the Knicks all season. And I think that for a few reasons. One, they have a lot of interesting offensive talent, but I'm not really sure how it's all going to fit. I mean, obviously, Zach Levine will be the generator for most of their offense. But they also brought in a marquee signing for their expectations in DeMar DeRozan, a guy who needs the ball in his hands to flourish. I'm not sure what this team's identity will be on offense if they have to attempt to give DeMar DeRozan a high usage rate. Um, I think he's going to command that due to his what he got paid and his style of play. But I'm just not entirely sure how that's going to look on the floor. Um, Obviously, I think Lonzo and Caruso can slot in anywhere. They can flourish off the ball and give you a lot of defensive upside in the backcourt. So I'm not really worried about their fit as much. But the DeRozan-Levine dynamic, it could flourish. I mean, I guess you could give DeRozan a lot of the creation responsibility and use Levine off ball more. I'm just not sure if that's in the team's best interest. And DeRozan, aside from being like a, a little bit of a cutter, he doesn't provide too much off-ball value. So that the mesh between those two players will be interesting. And then, really, the, the reason I think this team is going to, frankly, get exposed against any competitive NBA team is because Nikola Vucevic cannot guard the front court, And, frankly, no one on their roster can. I mean, if you have to expect Patrick Williams, a 6'7", like, fringe power forward slash three, to anchor your front court, I'm just, I, I don't know what to expect there. I think they're going to be a really bad defensive team. Um... Obviously, they have some point of attack defenders in Caruso and Lonzo Ball, but that's not enough. As we all know, defense in the NBA hinges around how well you can protect the rim um, and how well you can switch. This team can do, can do neither of those things. Uh, Vucevic, he's a great offensive player, but legitimately just bad on, off, on defense. And I just don't know who's going to fill that void for them. The first, so I have a couple things. Um... I think the I definitely think higher of the Bulls than you do. I mean, we, that's already been shown. I think the Levine DeRozan pairing will be great. I think Zach Levine is a very underrated off-ball player. He's an excellent cutter. He shot seventy-five percent this year on cuts to the basket, and uh, if he can use you know uh, his excellent shooting ability to add counters off the ball. I mean, last year his shooting was obscene, like absolutely obscene. Yeah, he was knocking shit down like he was I mean Clay Thompson like he's uh, a really underrated shooter and I mean I think he's gonna you know really explode this year as far as getting the recognition he deserves because he's as good of a scorer as not anyone in this league but he's right there like he's a great scorer and um, I think the other pieces I again I love having Lonzo on this team again I think Lonzo's defense is a little bit overrated um, but Having a guy who can, you know, two guys in DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball who really do a great job of passing the ball and, you know, getting their teammates involved. Uh, have with a guy like Zach Levine, who that's probably his biggest weakness as an offensive player is his passing. Uh, yeah. In clutch time, he had more turnovers and assists. Again, that cannot happen from your star player, right? But he'll have less responsibility this year, and he might have the chance to be even more... Uh, efficient this year um and again you talked you only talked about Vooch's defense where I think you're lower on him than you should be he's still good positionally he's obviously not good to me but he's not 
ass by any uh, chance, right? I think he's I think he's fine. Again, look how good the Orlando Magic have been on defense for the last few years. Again, they have a more defensively slanted roster, yes, yeah. but they still can't have, you know, a consistently good defense if your center is absolute dog shit. If your center who's again playing 34, 35 minutes a game is dog shit on defense. It just doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, so I think you're underrating him on defense and they were actually fine on defense last year after making the Vucevic trade. So yeah, uh, after you know doing that and getting more defensive talent in Alex Rousseau as well and Patrick Williams, who again was drafted for his defense, and after a year in the league, should be able to improve that substantially. I really like their potential. Again, will that all fit together? Will all these you know things fall the right way? No, it's just it's unrealistic to expect that. Um, but. I think they have a lot of potential, but uh, I think this might take a little bit more time to develop. Like maybe they'll. I think they're a team who starts off slow and then really explodes toward the end, towards the end of the season. Yeah. Because again, talk about guys who can pass on offense. Vooch also can do that. You know, they have Agreed. so many different hubs of offense on this team that I think they have. They just have too much talent um, to be worse than the Knicks, in my opinion. Like. Uh, the shot creation will keep them, will win them a lot of games they shouldn't win. Uh, like, they'll be really good close games. And I'm definitely, I, I with, I'm with you on the defense. I don't think the defense will be good. Yeah, it can't I be. Think it can be. I think it can be 17th in the NBA. You know, like, if their defense is around that level, like, less than, worse than average, but not bottom 10, you know, uh, and they have a top, you know, seven offense. That's a very good team. like. No, I mean, uh, I, I hear you, but honestly, it's outside of, like, my defensive issues with this team reside outside of Nikola Vucevic. They don't have a power forward on the roster. Yeah, I mean, Patrick like they, Williams. I guess, an undersized power forward. And I'm what I'm saying is, like, if you force Patrick Williams to anchor your defense at the four, yeah. he's, he's, like, set up for failure. He should be playing and at the three. also, DeMar sucks. Sucks donkey dick on yeah, tomorrow's fucking so. ass on defense, and like again, Lonzo and Crusoe might be great, but their impacts on the defensive end will be limited mm-hmm. as guards. And when you just like, I'm rolling, I'm scrolling through the roster right now. There's nobody here that can get them stops in the front court. Like literally nobody. If they play like the Sixers, Embiid's gonna go for 45. If they play the Bucks, I mean, again, this is true for a lot of the teams in the league, but even like Miami. Um, Dude, honestly, freaking the Celtics. Robert Williams would cook these fools. Like, there's just nobody to prevent rolls to the basket, lobs. Um, I think they're really going to struggle there. But I, I, I hear you on the upside, and I do think that DeRozan and um, Levine fit can flourish. I'm just not sure if that makes them better than a team like the Knicks, who I expect to have a really strong defensive base. Um, and I guess I'll get into my next mid-round exit team, which might surprise some people, but the Sixers. Um the Sixers are a hard team to place in these tiers because, well, for one, we have no clue what the Ben Simmons situation is going to be like. Is he going to be sitting at home playing Warzone while the Sixers get slaughtered in the regular season? Um, I hope so. I hope so, too. I think that's the only option that makes sense right now because he's made it very clear. He's not coming to camp. He's not playing a game in the Sixers uniform. But there's nobody out there that wants to trade for him. His value sunk. His contract's too big. There's no like viable partners. They turned down the Brogdon offer. They turned down a lot of better offers than that. And I'm just not sure who's going to match their mindset right now. Unless a trade for, like, C.J. McCollum 
you know, comes in at the last second. Um, I think that honestly would be a good fit and a good trade for both teams, but I'm just not sure if that's going to happen. Um, Daryl Morey seems very fickle. So with all that in mind, it's really hard to place the Sixers anywhere above a team like the Hawks. You know what I mean? I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Even though they were the number one seed last year, I can't even place them above a team like the Celtics. There's they so got much. Stri- they got straight exposed in the playoffs. They like, really it wasn't did. wasn't just Ben Simmons that got exposed in the playoffs. It was like, all I their role players not being able to shoot the ball when they were all, able to in the regular both, season. All their role players, and they simply have no perimeter creation. I mean, it was Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey yep. had to play big minutes in the playoffs and have huge oversized roles where sometimes they really, really stepped up, right? But they were relying on those guys way too much, way too much. And I just I just don't like, you know, I, I think they, they surrounded Embiid with shooting, right? But, like, they need another guy who can take guys teams off the dribble yep and is a as a real threat like i again i like the moves they made in the draft i love jane springer but he's not going to be a guy who really you know is the difference maker this year i love no. you know t Seibel. he's such he's i mean unreal on defense like it actually makes no sense um but yeah you know i love him but i also would have loved to trade him for james harden if i was the sixers <laughs> yeah, exactly, like the fact exactly. that, the fact that they were hesitant to trade maxi Thibel, and simmons for james harden that I mean, they're going to look back on that in three years and realize that they missed their chance to become a really elite team in the Eastern Conference and potentially be perennial contenders. Now mm-hmm. they're stuck in limbo, where with no Ben Simmons, they have literally no perimeter presence, um, no like identity in terms of like who's handling the ball. I think this team is really going to struggle. I'm just going to be honest. Um, it's going to be a weird fall from grace, but it's un- it's not unlike the Sixers to go from um, top tier playoff contention to very like you know adamant adamant struggling i think that's going to be the case this year and i think that they're going to be significantly worse than a team like the atlanta hawks i'm not really too concerned about that unless the ben simmons situation resolves itself for the better um this is going to be tough for them yeah i totally agree again and there's still so many questions about them right i think it's hard to police them anywhere else uh based off what we've seen and just the uncertainty as you said I mean, yeah. unless they make a great Ben Simmons trade uh, that really helps both them and the team who uh, receives Ben Simmons, which, I mean, pretty much any trade uh, at this point has to be uh, slanted in the the receiver of Ben Simmons because teams are his value is so low. And, um, I mean, teams are not stupid enough to overpay when they see that the Sixers have no leverage in the situation. Like, Ben Simmons yeah, is not, not going to play. Like, yep. uh, the obscene offers that Daryl Morey is asking for, it's just stupid. Like, I get it, you're trying to have teams come down, but they're GMs too. They're in that position for a reason. Yeah. All right, so with the Sixers covered, we've gone over the Sixers, the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Bulls. Those four teams take up my mid-round exits. Is there anyone that you have in the mid-round tier? Or can nope. we jump to – all right, so conference finals contenders. Um. I'll start with the team that I think will be the four or the five seed, the Atlanta Hawks. I'm super high on the Hawks. If you have the chance now, go on your local betting site and take the over 45 and a half wins. This is going to be a 50-win team, no doubt in my mind. Um, they're going to be great on offense. They're going to be great on defense. Honestly, I, I really believe that. Uh, one question I had for them, and again, like if you're having questions like this, you know you're in a good place as a team, but... 
how are they going to look defensively in the non-Capella minutes? Um, I think that's a huge question for them, but it's a question they can answer because they have so much talent at every position on the roster that they're going to be able to do things um, when Capella's not on the floor. Okongwu should answer a lot of those questions. He's, he's out for the first two-thirds of the season. Yeah, so but the like... The answer to the question is they will be absolutely ass without Capella. <laughs> come playoff time, uh, On though. defense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, again, a guy like... Cam Reddish taking another step up. We saw him play great in the playoffs. DeAndre Hunter finally being healthy. Um, John Collins not really a defensive expert, expert but um, he was better in the playoffs. Yeah, no, definitely no doubt about it. Definitely, and in general, this team is just so exciting. Um, they have Gorgie Dang too to shore up the center rotation. So they, um, they have, again, this is a team that has depth at every position. Quite literally, they have. Some elite point guard depth, I think. Now, I guess you know Lou Williams wouldn't be considered an elite backup at this point in his career, but um, a lot of a lot of upside, a lot of stability at Sharif. that position. They do have Sharif. Um, I'll be interested to see how he produces. They've got Okafor in the front court now. If he can find minutes, that'd be interesting. And then obviously, um, just the the array of shooters and offensive talent, ranging from Bogdan to Gallinari to I expect Cam Reddish to be an elite offensive. Um, weapon, honestly. I, I Quite frankly, I think he's going to be like a really productive wow. shooter. I mean, dude, we saw him in that playoff game hit, what, like six threes? You know what I've I mean? I've fallen for the Cam Reddish trap too many times. I haven't, man. He's finally healthy. He's going to be on a winning team. He's going to have a defined role. I think he'll be a starter. Um, I, think, I, I mean, he'll definitely be a starter now that I think about it. This is going really? to be... I think so, yeah. I mean, who's going to start at the two? Uh, Bogdan? I think Bogdan's coming off the bench this year. Really? After how well he played in the playoffs? I think the starting lineup is honestly going to be Trey Young, Cam Reddish, um, DeAndre Hunter. Who am I missing? Oh, then obviously John Collins and Clint Capella. Yeah, no, oh, D- yeah, no, no, no. Other John way around. Collins. Yeah, 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 right. I think, D- I think Hunter will slide to the three with Collins at the four. And I think that's their best, that's their best starting roster. That roster can shoot at four positions, play insane defense, quite frankly, between Reddish, Hunter, hopefully Collins can continue that productivity, and Capella. Like, that is a really, really good team. And then if you can start that, if you can put that starting five on the court, you have an elite bench too between Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Sharif, um, Kevin Herter. Jalen Johnson. Yeah. I mean, this team is going to be really good, dude. I think that they are going to – I mean, again, they, they weren't a fluke last year. Like, pushing um, as deep into the playoffs as they did, that was not an accident. That was not, like, a trick of the matchup. This is just a team that has, obviously, a heliocentric all-NBA talent in Trey Young. Really great role players. Really good defensive anchors. Um, there's just no weakness in this roster, in my opinion. Um, so, I generally agree with what you're saying, but I think there's... I do want to poke some holes in it. I still think when you're going to be playing a lot of minutes with so many young players, the defense, it'll be good because you have Clint Capella, but it will not be great. Um, unless, you know, John Collins can really take what he learned from the playoffs and take another step up on defense. Uh, I really like DeAndre Hunter, right? But yeah. he consistently has not been healthy, right? Uh, a lot of these guys have consistently not been healthy. Um, and again, I, I think Cam Reddish, he played like three games in the playoffs a couple of them were great right but that's you know causing everyone to clamor and say that he's 
you know, going to be up next or not up, up next, but right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're take right. Another, you know, huge step. And I just don't know, right? Improvement is not always linear. I don't know if all these young players are going to take, you know, steps up. And I think it's more likely that a couple of them disappoint and, you know, aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. Uh, again, I think people are talking way too, I still think people are talking way too much about uh, the the foul rules hate like hurting Trey Young but I, I don't I see that, that happening again I think it'll be very small right but who knows if that does again just possible again I don't think it will happen but if the way the refs do uh, referee you know limits them oh many certain moves and counters that he has in his game which I don't think it will but who knows um, so I think they'll be good I mean I think they'll be really good I think they're you know they're pretty much certain to not be a play-in team, uh, yeah. But they, I'm not quite as as high on them as you. But I think they'll, this is a really good team that should be again exciting to watch. All right, yeah. With uh, I totally agree. Um, health will be huge for them, especially with between Reddish and Hunter, like two guys that I think will be starters. They need to be healthy. Um, especially mm-hmm. with the Kongu out, those are two guys that will shore up the defense. And um, yeah, again, the, the the defense without Capella. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting, nasty work, bro. Nasty work. <laughs> but you know when it matters the most, Okongwu will most likely a knock on wood mm-hmm. be healthy, and I think that's what really matters when we're considering conference finals contenders. But moving on to who I think will be the four seed, um, this is my rose rosy glasses look on the Boston Celtics. I think that the Celtics are the most underrated team going into the season. I think that um, I just see way too many avenues for them to succeed. And similarly to the Hawks, I think they've become very balanced. They have a lot of talent at pretty much every position, except really like the wing depth, which has always been an issue for them. But they've suddenly gone from a team with terribly inconsistent point guard play to a team with elite depth at point guard. I will say that confidently. Um, Although they don't really have an elite starter, I think the trio of Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, and Dennis Schroeder give you three really different looks at point guard three point guards that can slide to the two all do different things um obviously the top end talent is there with jalen brown and jason tatum i think jason tatum this coming year is going to be a top 10 player in the league i think he's going to be better than a guy like damian lillard i think he's going to be in the mvp conversation and i guess that just means for jalen brown if he can end up repeating as an all-star improving his volume which he will because there's you know 20 points from Kemba Walker and 18 from Evan Fournier that need to be scored I think they're both going to have career seasons and continue to improve Um, an area of concern I have for the Boston Celtics is definitely the shooting so I'm placing a lot of my confidence in this team on the backs of guys like Aaron Neesmith um, Peyton Pritchard especially those two guys need to be able to plug and play and shoot the ball but I don't know if you were watching the summer league, man. It gets you. You would get you pretty optimistic that they'll be able to contribute at a high level. And then obviously the front court is a very changed look with Al Horford coming off the bench now. I think that's that's elite front court depth in my opinion. And if Robert Williams can play 50 games or 60 games, um, this team is going to be pretty dangerous. I really think that. I know that they have some some depth issues, but adding a guy like Josh Richardson to come off of your bench that's huge for me. Um, whether or not Dennis Schroeder starts, that could determine who else is coming off the bench. But I think a bench consisting of Al Horford, J- 
Josh Richardson, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith. There's a lot of upside there. And although it might not be as good as the Hawks necessarily in terms of like solidified role players and their strengths, and the shooting obviously isn't really there unless the rook- unless the uh, second-year players can shoot, um, I just think this team is, is too talented to not be a top four or five seed. Yeah, I uh, I truly hate how much I like the Boston Celtics roster this year. Yes, sir. This team is really, really good, and I think uh, generally underrated. I mean, I think they are. I think they're better than the Hawks. Again, I agree, I agree. With you on that, and I think um, that they they have less weaknesses, especially in a playoff scenario. Now, I still wish they had a uh, a, a point guard who is more pass first than Dennis Schroeder is, but he absolutely fills that need that, again, I have I have been saying this for so long, they need a guy who gets the rim at yep. all costs. He does that. Um, just to sh- The shooting is never going to be too much of a concern to me when you all when you have, you know, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown on the roster, especially, you know, if you have Rob Williams on the floor, which obviously he's not a shooter, but elite he has passer. elite vertical spacing. Um Elite passer too, undersold yeah, aspects not, of his game. I'm not saying he's not an elite passer. He's good. Wait till the um, Robert Williams triple double start coming in the stat sheet, then you'll change <laughs> your mind. Oh brother! But uh, again, great lob threat, and and I think um, Jalen Brown he had that, an obscene uh, shooting start last season, right? Which I don't think he will do that, especially on the mid range. Um, but I think he'll. You know, at least be as good as he was last year. See no reason why he'd be worse. Uh, Tatum, again, I agree with you. I don't know who he'll kick out of the top ten, but Dame. I think he has a chance to do that. Dame, I think that's yeah. probably who it will be. Yeah. Um. But again, we'll we'll see. But yeah, I absolutely love this team. Uh, or I, I I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> a Lakers uh, fan calling 4K <laughs> admitting that he loves the Boston Celtics. Hey, man, I can't blame you. I would be a Celtics fan, too. It's hard to root for super teams these days, but whatever. But, but yeah, like, again, it's just a really good team, uh, but they are they're a, a little bit below. They have, again, they still have some weaknesses. Again, I'm still worried about the Robert Williams injury thing. I love him so much. Oh, uh, no, I, I mean, just, I mean, I am, too. I say a prayer every so night. Bad. I say a prayer every night for his lower body, it's, but... And again, <laughs> you're definitely relying on on young players, as you said. But I think um, again, I, I hate relying on uh, summer league. I generally think it's stupid. But Aaron e. Smith, I think he'll be good. Like yeah, and Peyton Pritchard, he is a legit sniper. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and they can simplify I, his role this year. That's all he needs to do with creation mm-hmm. on the roster. He just needs to be able to space the floor, hit deep ass threes. He'll do that. He definitely will. Yeah, and I I think. Uh, having Al Forford will help this team a lot. Again, just with the defense, I think the defense should be great. Oh, um, no, no doubt. And then no doubt. again, Tatum and Brown will put up numbers. That's that's what this team should be about. Like they're not. Again, I don't think this is a team that's you know winning the championship uh, as currently constructed. They need you know another guy, but you know what? Really I... good team, and they should be. They should win a playoff series. Absolutely. If they don't, I will be disappointed. I think that this team, realistically, if they get the right matchups, they should be able to push to the Eastern Conference Finals. If they run up against a team like Milwaukee or a team like Brooklyn, obviously that situation changes. But um, for the most part, I just want to highlight a few more things about this roster that I really like. 
Romeo Langford has a lot of upside. I know he's been very inconsistent, and the jury's still out on him as an NBA player, but I think that if he's finally healthy for a full season and he has a full offseason for the first time ever, he could be really productive. Josh Richardson, essentially being scooped up for free, is going way under the radar, as is the Dennis Schroeder MLE signing. Those two players are going to be really, really productive. They can both give you 15 points per night, and I think they both will, quite frankly. I think Josh Richardson will be the sixth man on this team, and he'll allow them to do a lot of different things defensively and give them a little bit of spark on offense. Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, very interesting fit at the four as a, a floor spacer. Enos Cantor gives them pretty good center depth on offense, I think. Um, and even a guy like Sam Hauser, who's going to be splitting time in between Maine, but that's another like six eight sniper um, mm-hmm. who might be able to find minutes in the rotation. I think that the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is what this team does at the deadline because I think they're putting themselves in great position to make a superstar acquisition. It'll come through a combination of salary filler, young players, and picks. But if they can land a Bradley Beal-type player and throw out a starting lineup of Marcus Smart, Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, they're in the contender tier for sure. But without further ado, let's get into our next team, who I think we both know is the Miami Heat. Um, I'm unsure if the Miami Heat are going to be better than the Boston Celtics, honestly. I think they did a lot of great things, and I think they'll be... They are like really almost in the faux contender category because I think given that they have finals experience and given that we know the core of this team with Bam, Jimmy, Duncan, that like trio essentially. It's a successful formula. It, it is. We know it's a winning formula. And then you throw in a bona fide winner like Kyle Lowry. Um, this team has a very high ceiling. They really do. I think they definitely can put themselves into the title contenders category. If they can stay healthy, figure things out on offense. But one thing that I really like to hone in on with the Heat this year, they have Tyler Hero, Markeith Morris, um, Victor Oladipo, PJ Tucker, all coming off the bench potentially. Maybe PJ even Tucker's Duncan. Start for this team. Okay, fine. But then still, Markeith Morris. Yeah. Like they have really, really intriguing depth. I think. This team has insanely high upside. Um, again, knowing that they've been to the finals before with this core structure, there's no reason to think that they can't do it again. And to some degree, I think they have the antidote for Milwaukee and for Brooklyn because they can play intense backcourt defense thanks to Kyle Lowry. Um, they can switch with Bam. So they can, I mean, we've seen them be Milwaukee's kryptonite. I don't think yep. that they necessarily were last year for sure, but um, they have the potential to be the best team in the Eastern Conference come playoff time. Yeah, I think, so with Miami, to me, I'm not as high on their depth as you are. I think Victor Oladipo is a huge swing factor, and he hasn't been healthy in forever. But if he is good, that he's the X factor for this team. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I just don't think uh, I watched Marquise Morris over the last couple of years. He isn't like that. I hate to say it. Um, he's a fine <laughs> okay, bench fine. player, but he, he shouldn't be like... He's not, you know, a good bench player. He's, I mean, he's barely in the Lakers rotation. Uh, but yeah. there are other guys. Um, obviously, Tyler Hero, I think, is in for a huge back back season. It's bounce back season. It's honestly insane how fast people soured on him. Yeah, he didn't even um, have that bad of a season, all know, things like, considered. He, was, he, he had pretty good production. Really bad, and his shot wasn't really there. It never fully got there. But again, with coming off the bubble, like, 
imagine your rookie season, you play more games, more basketball than you ever played in your life, and then you have a shortened off season. Yeah. And, and like, uh, can you really blame him for struggling? Like, and he still came out averaging 15 points on 43, 36, 80 splits. That's not know, awful for a second-year player. I, I know. It's just pe- that people got too high on him after the bubble and didn't realize that he might take a step back. But I think this year will be, you know, he's obviously going to be motivated from all this shit that people were talking about him last year. Yep. Um, so I think he'll be really good, and I think he's not a sixth-man-of-the-year contender, but he will be, he will be there soon. Um, yeah. And, I agree. Uh, I still, I'm worried about the injuries. Kyle Lowry and Jimmy have both consistently been hurt um, over the last few years. It is what it is. They're not going to. I think this is a team that, I think in the regular season, they finish worse than both Atlanta and Boston. Um, that it's definitely possible. But, but come playoff time, I think they're to me they're clearly better than both. Uh, with just this team locked in on defense, I mean it's it's hell. Like. What are you going to do? I can't imagine lineups where it's, you know, Kyle Lowry, uh, a healthy Victor Oladipo. Oh, if he's healthy, man, they are. It's it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. How do you score on that? I mean, yeah, like uh, that's just an elite switchable lineup. Like uh, it's an exciting. That'll be exciting to watch. So come playoff team, this is a team that. You don't want to match up with. I don't know. I don't want to say they can beat everyone because the Brooklyn Nets exist, um, but they're damn good. They have they have as high of a ceiling as uh, as you know most teams in the league. Yeah. Because. All right. Um, with that in mind, there's two teams left, as I'm sure everyone knows: the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think much needs to be said for either of these teams. We know why the Milwaukee Bucks are title contenders, and we know why the Nets are too. One thing I do want to talk about, though, is personally, I think the Nets will be significantly better than the Bucks, even with the Bucks coming off a championship win. I think the Nets are just miles and miles ahead of them, and I think I've said this plenty of times before, but if they were healthy, they would have completely demolished the Bucks in that playoff series. But they weren't, and they still almost beat them. I just think mm-hmm. this year, like most people, it's clearly Brooklyn's conference. Um, yeah. If they're healthy, there's no one that's beating them. That's just the reality. Yeah, I, I, we probably should have had them in a tier by themselves, to be honest. And their depth is excellent as well. Um, I was kind of amazed at the players they got this offseason and how well they did in the draft. Getting Paul Millsap, Patty Mills, Javon Carter, like... Uh, getting Cam uh, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, and Kessler Edwards in the draft again. That's just Sean Marks is on a roll. Uh, truly, I mean, a masterful performance. Uh, yep. And you know the roster. It's just it's unreal. Like I, they're going to be completely unstoppable on defense or on offense. And they showed last year in the playoffs that everyone had these massive concerns about. Oh well, they're not going to be able to guard anybody in the playoffs, and then they came out and had the third best, uh, third best defense. Sorry, in the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, while yes, again, it's two series. They, I was shocked at how well they defended Milwaukee. Um, you know, so it seems scary. Um, again, I they have to be the championship favorites again, not just for the Eastern Conference, but for the NBA in total. The talent on this team is just ridiculous, and the depth is there as well, and. 
Uh, there's really not many holes in this roster. Again, they have the ceiling as, you know, one of, if not the best team ever. Like, that's how good this team can be. Yeah, and honestly, the depth improved, which is weird to say, but they had a really productive offseason. I mean, freaking Paul Millsap, bro. Like, come on, as if they needed more. Patty Mills, too, coming off the bench. He's going to be a great fit for them um, to replace some of the shooting when uh, their stars come off. But, yeah, I mean, this is probably the most boring part of the podcast because everyone knows that (laughs) the Brooklyn Nets will be the best team in the NBA if they can be healthy. Everyone knows the Milwaukee Bucks just won a championship. There's not much to say for either of these teams, but mm-hmm. I guess my uh, my wish list for the NBA season is that the Brooklyn Nets don't win. That's all I want. That's literally <laughs> all I care about. Like, anyone but the Nets. I'll let the Bucks repeat. I'll let the Lakers win, bro. Actually, I don't know about that. Lakers are also a super team, so I'm not going to actively root for them, but the Nets are just so overpowered. It's like the anime boss at the end of the show. Like They just have like every weapon possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope someone beats them. Um, honestly, I think the best the team that has the best chance might be... It might be the, the Miami Heat, honestly, given what we've discussed. But I can see a team like the Celtics or the Hawks giving them a tough playoff series, too. Um, I don't know. I just I hope someone beats them, man. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be extremely tough. Yeah. Um. But um, yeah, that that about does it for us. It's great to be back. Um, so so pumped for the season. We've got two weeks until oh, yeah. the preseason begins. Uh, four weeks till the NBA season tips off. I could not be more excited. I think it's going to be a really fun season. And um, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back soon.